0: our reading for this morning as we look at the work of the Holy Spirit and in through the word of God and so we're going to start with Isaiah chapter 64 verse 8 which says yet O Lord you are our father we are the clay and you are our potter we are all the work of your hand our second scripture reading is from John in the New Testament chapter 3 verse 5 Jesus answered very truly I tell you no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit Now from Romans chapter 8 verse 14 for all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God and from Galatians chapter 5 Starting with verse 16, live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. And then verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Well, today is Pentecost Sunday, and uh, Pentecost, re- we remember the giving of the Holy Spirit upon the early believers. And, uh, and we're taking three weeks to look at the Holy Spirit. And uh, so we're celebrating Pentecost for three weeks. And last week we looked at the Holy Spirit as the indwelling presence of God. God is right here, closer than the air we breathe, and uh, is always accessible Today we're talking about the Holy Spirit who transforms our our lives, our character from the inside out. Next week we talk about the Spirit who equips and empowers and sends us out into the world. And I want to begin today with a biblical image as we're looking at a variety of scripture passages. We're tracing some themes through the scriptures about the Holy Spirit. And so this biblical image that I want to look at today is an image that's usually um, in reference to God the Father. We usually think of God the Father in this way, but it's the image of the potter and the clay. The potter and the clay. When we think about the potter, we usually think about God the Father. In fact, that's how Isaiah mentions it. You are our Father and we are the clay. But in our lives, the presence of God, the agency of God, the force of God working in us and through us, forming us, is actually the work of the Holy Spirit. So really, it's the Holy Spirit who is the potter, and we are meant to be the clay um, in this imagery. We are yielding ourselves on the potter's wheel to be formed and shaped by God according to the purpose of God, and that's what we're going to talk about today. It's one of the most important roles of the Holy Spirit, how the Spirit shapes us. This imagery of the potter and the clay, it actually begins um, not in Isaiah, it begins in the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 2 where we see God taking uh, in Genesis 2 the dust of the earth um, and and forming human beings out of the dust or the dirt and the, the clay of the ground and shaping uh, like a child playing with clay, shaping the human person and then breathing life into to uh the living human being. So we first see this image of God working with dirt in the very beginning. In Psalm 139 we read about uh, how uh, the psalmist says that we are formed in our mother's womb. That we are created. We were formed in our mother's womb. And the word form there is the same word that is used with reference to the forming of clay as a potter uh, works with clay. When we come to Isaiah then we get our passage uh, for today that was read a moment ago. Yet you You, O Lord, are our Father, we are the clay, you are the potter, we are the work of your hands. This same metaphor is also used in Jeremiah chapter 18 in a more extensive discourse. So God uses dirt to make things. In the New Testament, we see this right in the beginning, well, towards the beginning in John chapter 9, uh, Jesus encounters a man who was born blind from birth. And he takes some dirt from the ground and he spits into it, making clay with the dirt and then smearing this mud or clay over the man's eyes and telling him to go into the pool and to wash which he does and then he's able to see. So Jesus is forming him with clay forming his vision and uh, so you have God the Father who creates us. We have Jesus who redeems us and it's like a new creation of Jesus curing this, bro, uh, this man who was born blind. In the letters of Paul, we see this again um, in 2 Corinthians, when he says that we have this treasure, this spirit, this soul breathed into us in jars of clay. We are like clay pots, uh, Paul says. And in all of this, we have this imagery of God who is working with, forming, and shaping, and molding play. To catch a glimpse of what this looks like, I had the chance this past week to go and visit the home of Donna Ree Neville. Donna Ree is one of the one of our members, longtime members of our church, and she is a potter. She has made our communion sets. She has made many things over the years for our church, including uh, these oil lamps that have been given as various gifts throughout the years. And so, I had the chance to watch her on her potter's wheel for a few minutes. Make um, an oil lamp like this. It's actually on display outside in the gathering area. But check this out. Uh, Join me here at, at Donna Rees. So that um, oil lamp, it has been, uh, it's dried, and it's in the gathering area. It will be glazed, and then it will go into a kiln, and it will be finished um, like one of these. It was an incredible joy to be there at her house um, while she was uh, doing this for me. There were a couple of construction workers out back that, that when they saw the wheel came up and peered into the window. And we're watching, and then that one opened the door and said, I could watch this for hours. It's very satisfying. There was one piece of clay that had some air bubbles that she was working with, and, and uh, it was taking a little bit of time. And I said, that, that clay looks like it might be a little stubborn. And she said, yeah, it's stubborn. And I said, yeah, I, I know what that's like. I can be a little stubborn myself. Um, but when I look at this, um, this image, uh, I think about God in, uh, in the Garden of Eden forming the first human being like that and with the delicacy and the precision that it takes um, as an artist does. To, uh, to shape something beautiful. And so when we're thinking about the Holy Spirit working in us, the Holy Spirit takes us as just a lump of clay, and we don't know what we're gonna look like in the end, but God does, and God works with us throughout our lives to make something beautiful um, out, of, out of dirt, out of dust. Um, and so, of course, it reminded me, when our kids were little, they used to play with play you know, and you know how malleable that is. And, and I think, you know, we're, we're, we're a lot like play when we're born, where we enter into this world completely malleable. We're like wet cement. And, and we become something as we grow and whatever we become isn't just a factor of our genetics. It's a factor of the environment that we've lived in. It's a factor of our parents or other parents and whether they loved us or didn't love us very well. It's a factor of our siblings and what our siblings did to us, whether we had siblings. Um, and so we're shaped by all of these things, plus a thousand other, other things. We're shaped by the socioeconomic environment that we grew up in. We're shaped by the schools that we went to. And every single one of those K-12 through 12 teachers had, had an impression, had an impact in forming and shaping how you think and how you see the world. Your Sunday school teachers, your mentors, youth mentors, even even pastors can have um, a, a part in shaping your ideas and thoughts and experiences, and of course, we have our own experiences that shape our outlook too. We have mountaintop experiences, wonderful things that we experience, and they give us joy and and uh, and and laughter. And then, of course, we have. Um, profound uh, painful experiences and it's those ones um, that shape us. The broken uh, experiences of our lives that also shape us and somehow they have a way of, of forming how we function in the world. And so we're malleable when we're born into this world and all of these other things play a role in shaping our lives. And God's deepest desire is to be the primary agent that shapes who we are, how we think. God's desire is to be the primary one to interpret our experience. What do you allow to inter... who do you allow to interpret your experience? Someone has to give meaning to what you experienced in your life. And God wants to be the one to uh, to determine that for us, and that 's part of how God shapes us. so I just want to mention if you read the new testament you 'll see that there are three hundred and fifty four times where the Holy Spirit is mentioned in all of its in all of its uh, meanings uh, wind, breath, and spirit the word Numa three hundred and fifty four times, and so I just want to recount a few of the ways in which the Spirit works. How does the Spirit shape us? How does the Spirit form us? These these are a few things from Scripture. The Spirit beckons us to God. The Spirit leads us to repentance and faith. The Spirit changes our hearts, empowers us and guides us, comforts and consoles, whispers and woos us, assures us that we are the children of God. The Spirit convicts us and teaches us, fills us with joy and peace, transforms us into the image of Christ, gives us gifts to minister to others, works through us to do God's work. Of course, the Spirit gives us the gift of faith and hope. New Testament scholar, and this just scratches the surface of what the Spirit does and how the Spirit works to form us, in our lives, New Testament scholar Gordon Fee uh, wrote a monumental book where he just studied the Paul's letters and and uh, Paul's understanding of the Holy Spirit. It's 900 pages long, um, and uh, just to summarize this, um, he's really trying to answer the question: What does what does it tell us about the Holy Spirit? And he says Paul's view of life in Christ is so. Th- thoroughly dominated by the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit is the one essential ingredient necessary for the life that we have. We need the Holy Spirit and we need to be aware of the Holy Spirit. One night in the ministry of Jesus, there was a, a man who was a religious leader named Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee and he went to Jesus because he was drawn to Jesus and drawn to Jesus' teachings. But he had to go at night and be a little sneaky about it because he would have gotten in trouble or he would have been embarrassed or chastised because you know, they, they weren't too hot on Jesus, the Pharisees, at this point in his journey. But he goes to Jesus at night and he essentially says to Jesus, I'm, I'm interested in, in what you're saying. I'm curious about what you're saying. It's kind of compelling. I appreciate your teaching. And Jesus says this to him. Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Now, this is perplexing to this religious leader who should have understood these things. But he said, I don't understand. How is that? What do you mean by that? How how can I be born from, do you want me to go back into my mother's womb and, ha, and be born a second time? And Jesus says, no, you're a little dense. Um, it's not really like that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there's a need for radical transformation in your life. There's a brokenness and a lostness in every single one of us until we place our lives onto the potter's wheel. And he says that, that happens through water and spirit. So Jesus answers this man, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. And scholars um, agree that the water is not the water that's in the womb when we're born, but the water refers to baptism because it's in our baptism that we believe we are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And in that gift, we are actually given our true identity. We are given the gift of our true self, um, which is that we are children of God. Up until that point, um, all sorts of different things define us and shape us and tell us who we are. But only in our baptism we are told you are a child of God and nothing will ever take that away. And so that's like being born again. Like I have a whole new identity. I wasn't the same person I was before. Now this is who I am. Um, When we think about this, I think about Mary Magdalene as an example she was said to have had seven demons uh, and jesus uh, cast out all of her demons now we it's possible that she had seven literal demons Um, Some scholars suggest, of course, that maybe uh, she was abused as a child and she had multiple personality disorder. Um, That's something that can feel like very much like a demonic kind of experience. But regardless, Jesus set her free. He healed her. And when I think of who she becomes as the primary female disciple of Jesus, she starts out as someone who's very broken. And, uh, and very messed up. And Jesus heals her, sets her free, and she carries the remembrance of her past with her. And, and that gives her compassion, um, her brokenness, and even the scars from it. And they're part of what compels her to care for others. This is how the Spirit works in our lives, too. I think about the Gerasene demoniac. He was um, outcast because he had uh, so many demons and he was so broken and so messed up in his life that he couldn't function in the community. So they sent him out and locked him up amongst the pigs. Um, Or I think about all of these people who were sick with leprosy and they had to be uh, excluded from the communities because they were a danger. And Jesus goes to these people, to form and shape, to transform them, and to give them life. He searches them out, the tattered and the torn, the lost and the broken, because he has a passion for bringing healing into their lives. That's what the potter does. He makes beauty out of clay. I think about the prostitute who wept at Jesus' feet. I think about Zacchaeus who came down from the tree. I think about the Samaritan woman at the well who had been married and divorced five times. And Jesus is putting them all back together. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Some of you might be familiar. Well, I know a couple of you um, are familiar with a particular form of Japanese pottery. It actually started in the sixteenth century or maybe it was the fifteenth century and there's it, the story is told in a number of different ways, but the story is told that there was a Japanese soldier and he broke his favorite teacup and he sent it in to get repaired and uh, and when he sent it in to to get repaired the um, the, the person uh, thought. I wonder if we could take the brokenness and actually make it part of the piece, uh, make it beautiful, part of the beauty of the cup. And so the art is called kintsugi, kintsugi, and it takes a broken pottery And it takes a a resin lacquer and the artist or the potter will mix gold dust or silver dust into the lacquer and fill in the cracks with that gold dust. And so this is an example of that. And so it doesn't hide the cracks, but it draws out the cracks to show the beauty um, of of redemption, right, Of, of the broken cup. Um, it's an amazing, it's an amazing thing. This is what God, this is exactly what God does in our lives. It's what the Holy Spirit does with our pain, with our brokenness, with our wounds, when we put our lives in the Holy Spirit's hands. I don't know what brokenness you have in your life. I can identify some of the brokenness in mine, and there is a Another, others that I can't yet identify. But what I know is that God takes that and creates beauty out of it. If we would surrender, God will offer that brokenness to the healing of the world. And those very broken things um, that God has healed become the things that drive us in mission and ministry and in love for others. I wonder, have you allowed God to use the brokenness that you've experienced in your life. Our tendency is to bury these things, to bury the wounds. But what would it look like to say, God, do something beautiful with that? This is how life works, how the Holy Spirit works. You may have have heard the hymn. It's a really old hymn. It's called, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. It was uh, written by this woman here named Adelaide Pollard. Adelaide Pollard. She wrote this song, she was from Iowa. Um, Adelaide uh, loved the Lord. She had a a passion, but she had also experienced a bit of of sorrow and hardship in her life. She had diabetes since she was young. Um, but she felt called to go into the ministry, and so she studied and she got involved. She she wasn't allowed to be ordained in those days because she was a woman, and so she got involved in areas where she could serve in ministry. But her real dream was to become a missionary in Africa. In order to do this, to go to Africa, of course she would have to raise the money, um, not only to to get to Africa, but to su- support, to provide for her needs. While she was there, she was 40 years old and this was her dream and her calling. She eventually realized that she was never going to be going to Africa. She hadn't been able to raise the funds. Several years had, had gone by and she couldn't raise the support from other people. Uh, some people, people seemed to not be able to see that, that this was something that she was called to do and So she was devastated by this. Her hopes and her dreams were just shattered and crushed to the ground. It was 1902 and when she realized this, um, that this was the reality she went to a prayer meeting and when she walked into that prayer meeting there was an elderly woman who prayed there and this is what she prayed. It really doesn't matter what you do with us Lord. Lord. Just have your own way with our lives. Adelaide went home that night, and she couldn't stop thinking about those words. Just have your own way uh, with, with us. And so she went home, and she penned this hymn. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Wounded and weary, help me, I pray power all power surely as thine touch me and heal me savior divine in the wake of her disappointment and devastation and shattered dreams came this this is this is the gold dust of adelaide's life out of her brokenness she offers herself do you know this there's not a hymnal in the world that i've found that doesn't have this song in it Dozens of artists have recorded this over the years. Over a billion Christians know this song, and it's all because she didn't get what she wanted. Uh, I wonder, as you look over your life, are you growing? And I don't mean just growing in knowledge, but are you becoming more like Christ? Is your heart opening up to others? In Galatians 5, Paul talks about something called the fruit of the Spirit, and I'll close with this. He says this is what the Spirit wants to produce in us. Um, So what is it that the the potter is forming the clay into? What does it look like? It looks like this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And when I look over this list, that's what I want. I, w- I want more of that. I want to be more of that next year than I am this year. And I can see that there are some areas where I, where I need to grow. Um, I could be more gentle. I could be more patient. I want to be more of those things. But I can't get there by trying hard enough, by trying harder. You don't try really hard to be patient. You surrender to the promise of God and know that everything is fine. Right, and so that is that is the call uh, for us. This is where we find life. Allowing the Spirit to work in us, and daily saying, "Here I am. Have Thine own way, Lord. Do with me in all of my experiences and all of my story, good, bad, and otherwise. Use it for Your kingdom, Your glory, and form us as a congregation and as people." into something beautiful that brings glory and expands your kingdom in the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.